0: the plea of the midsummer fairies one by thomas hood read for librivox.org by peter tucker one twas in that mellow season of the year when the hot sun singes the yellow leaves till they be gold and with a broader sphere the moon looks down on ceres and her sheaves when more abundantly the spider weaves and the cold wind breathes from a chillier clime that forth I fared on one of those still eaves, touched with the dewy sadness of the time, to think how the bright months had spent their prime, two, so that whenever I addressed my way, I seemed to track the melancholy feet of him that is the father of decay and spoils at once the sour weed and the sweet, wherefore regretfully I made retreat to some unwasted regions of my brain, charmed with the light of summer and the heat and bade that bounteous season bloom again and sprout fresh flowers in mine own domain Three, it was a shady and sequestered scene like those famed gardens of boccaccio planted with his own laurels evergreen and roses that for endless summer blow and there were fountain-springs to overflow their marble basins and cool green arcades of tall o'erarching arching sycamores to throw athwart the dappled path their dancing shades with timid conies cropping the green blades four and there were crystal pools peopled with fish argent and gold and some of tyrian skin some crimson barred, and ever at a wish they rose obsequious till the wave grew thin as glass upon their backs and then dived in quenching their ardent scales in watery gloom whilst others with fresh hues rode forth to win my changeable regard, For so we doom Things born of thought to vanish or to bloom. 5 and there were many birds of many dyes from tree to tree still faring to and fro and stately peacocks with their splendid eyes and gorgeous pheasants with their golden glow like iris just bedabbled in her bow beside some vocalists without a name that oft on fairy errands come and go with accents magical and all were tame and peckled at my hand where'er i came Six. And for my sylvan company, in lieu of Pampinia with her lively peers, Sat Queen Titania with her pretty crew, All in their liveries quaint, with elfin gears, For she was gracious to my childish years, And made me free of her enchanted round, Wherefore this dreamy scene she still endears, And plants her court upon a verdant mound, Fenced with umbrageous woods and groves profound. Seven ah oh, me she cries was ever moonlight seen so clear and tender for our midnight trips go some one forth and with a trump convene my lieges all away the goblin skips a pace or two apart and deftly strips the ruddy skin from a sweet rose's cheek then blows the shuddering leaf between his lips making it utter forth a shrill small shriek like a frayed bird in the gray owlet's beak Eight and lo upon my fixed delighted ken appeared the loyal phase. some by degrees crept from the primrose buds that opened then and some from bell-shaped blossoms like the bees some from the dewy meads and rushy lees flew up like chafers when the rustics pass some from the rivers others from tall trees dropped like shed blossoms silent to the grass spirits and elfins small of every class Nine. Perry and Pixie and quaint Puck, the Antic, Brought Robin Goodfellow, that Merry Swain. And stealthy Mab, queen of old realms romantic, Came too from distance in her tiny wain, Fresh dripping from a cloud, some bloomy rain, Then circling the bright moon, had washed her car, And still bedewed it with a various stain. Lastly came Ariel, shooting from a star, Who bears all fairy embassies afar. Ten but oberon that night elsewhere exiled was absent whether some distempered spleen kept him and his fair mate unreconciled or warfare with the gnome whose race had been some time obnoxious kept him from his queen and made her now peruse the starry skies prophetical with such an absent mien howbeit the tears stole often to her eyes and oft the moon was incensed with her sighs Eleven. Which made the elves sport drearily, and soon their hushing dances languished to a stand, like midnight leaves when, as the zephyrs swoon, all on their drooping stems they sink unfanned. So into silence drooped the fairy band to see their empress dears so pale and still, crowding her softly round on either hand, as pale as frosty snowdrops and as chill, to whom the sceptred dame reveals her ill. Twelve. Alas, quoth she, Ye know our fairy lives Are leased upon the fickle faith of men, Not measured out against fate's mortal knives Like human gossamers, We perish when we fade and are forgot in worldly kens. Though poesy has thus prolonged our date, Thanks be to the sweet bard's auspicious pen That rescued us so long, Howbeit of late I feel some dark misgivings of our fate. thirteen and this dull day my melancholy sleep hath been so thronged with images of woe that even now i cannot choose but weep to think this was some sad prophetic show of future horror to befall us so of mortal wreck and uttermost distress yea our poor empires fall and overthrow for this was my long vision's dreadful stress and when i waked my trouble was not less Fourteen. Whenever to the clouds I tried to seek, such leaden weight dragged these acarian wings. My faithless wand was wavering and weak, and slimy toads had trespassed in our rings. The birds refused to sing for me. All things disowned their old allegiance to our spells. The rude bees pricked me with their rebel stings, and when I passed, the valley lilies' bells rang out, methought most melancholy knells. Fifteen and ever on the faint and flagging air a doleful spirit with a dreary note cried in my fearful ear prepare prepare which soon i knew came from a raven's throat perched on a cypress bough not far remote a cursed bird too crafty to be shot that alway cometh with his soot-black coat to make hearts dreary for he is a blot upon the book of life as well ye wot Sixteen wherefore some while i bribed him to be mute with bitter acorns stuffing his foul maw which barely i appeased when some fresh brute startled me all a heap and soon i saw the horridest shape that ever raised my awe a monstrous giant very huge and tall such as in elder times devoid of law with wicked might grieved the primeval ball and this was sure the deadliest of them all Seventeen gaunt was he as a wolf of languedoc with bloody jaws and frost upon his crown so from his barren pole one hoary lock over his wrinkled front fell far adown well nigh to where his frosty brows did frown like jagged icicles at cottage eaves and for his coronal he wore some brown and bristled ears gathered from ceres sheaves entwined with certain sear and russet leaves Eighteen. And lo, upon a mast reared far aloft, he bore a very bright and crescent blade, The which he waved so dreadfully, and oft, in meditative spite, that sore dismayed, I crept into an acorn cup for shade. Meanwhile the horrid effigy went by, I trow his look was dreadful, for it made the trembling birds betake them to the sky, for every leaf was lifted by his sigh nineteen. And ever, as he sighed, his foggy breath blurred out the landscape like a flight of smoke; Thence knew I this was either dreary death or time who leads all creatures to his stroke. Ah, wretched me, here, even as she spoke, the melancholy shape came gliding in and leaned his back against an antique oak, folding his wings that were so fine and thin they scarce were seen against the dryad's skin twenty. Then what a fear seized all the little rout! Look how a flock of panicked sheep will stare, and huddle close, and start, and wheel about, watching the roaming mongrel here and there. So did that sudden apparition scare all close a heap those small affrighted things. Nor sought they now the safety of the air, as if some leaden spell withheld their wings. But who can fly that ancientest of kings? Twenty one whom now the queen with a forestalling tear and previous sigh beginneth to entreat bidding him spare for love her liege's dear alas quoth she is there no nodding wheat ripe for thy crooked weapon and more meat or withered leaves to ravish from the tree or crumbling battlements for thy defeat think but what vaunting monuments there be builded in spite and mockery of thee Twenty-two. O fret away the fabric walls of fame and grind down marble Caesars with the dust make tombs inscriptionless raise each high name and waste old armours of renown with rust do all of this and thy revenge is just make such decays the trophies of thy prime and check ambitions overweening lust that dares exterminating war with time but we are guiltless of that lofty crime 23 Frail feeble spirits, the children of a dream, Least on the sufferance of fickle men, Like motes dependent on the sunny beam, Living but in the sun's indulgent ken, And when that light withdraws, withdrawing then, So do we flutter in the glance of youth And fervid fancy, and so perish when the eye of faith grows aged, In sad truth, feeling thy sway, O time, though not thy tooth. Twenty-four. Where be those old divinities forlorn that dwelt in trees or haunted in a stream? Alas, their memories are dimmed and torn like the remainder tatters of a dream, so will it fare with our poor thrones. I deem for us the same dark trench oblivion delves that holds the wastes of every human scheme. Oh spare us then, and these are pretty elves, we soon alas shall perish of ourselves twenty five now as she ended with a sigh to name those old olympians scattered by the whirl of fortune's giddy wheel and brought to shame methought a scornful and malignant curl showed on the lips of that malicious churl to think what noble havocs he had made so that i feared he all at once would hurl the harmless fairies into endless shade howbeit he stopped a while to whet his blade Twenty-six pity it was to hear the elfin's wail rise up in concert from their mingled dread pity it was to see them all so pale gaze on the grass as for a dying bed but puck was seated on a spider's thread that hung between two branches of a briar and gan to swing and gambol heels o'er head like any southwark tumbler on a wire for him no present grief could long inspire twenty seven meanwhile the queen with many piteous drops falling like tiny sparks full fast and free bedews a pathway from her throne and stops before the foot of her arch enemy and with her little arms enfolds his knee that shows more grisly from that fair embrace but she will ne'er depart alas quoth she my painful fingers i will here enlace till i have gained your pity for our race 28 what have we ever done to earn this grudge and hate if not too humble for thy hating. Look o'er our labours and our lives, and judge if there be any ills of our creating. For we are very kindly creatures, dating with nature's charities still sweet and bland. O oh, think this murder worthy of debating! Herewith she makes a signal with her hand to beckon someone from the fairy band. Twenty nine anon i saw one of those elfin things clad all in white like any chorister come fluttering forth on his melodious wings that made soft music at each little stir but something louder than a bee's demur before he lights upon a bunch of broom and thus gan he with saturn to confer and oh his voice was sweet touched with the gloom of that sad theme that argued of his doom Thirty quoth he we make all melodies our care that no false discords may offend the sun music's great master tuning everywhere all pastoral sounds and melodies each one duly to place and season so that none may harshly interfere we rouse at morn the shrill sweet lark and when the day is done hush silent pauses for the bird forlorn that singeth with her breast against a thorn Thirty one we gather in loud choirs the twittering race that make a chorus with their single note and tend on new-fledged birds in every place that duly they may get their tunes by rote and oft like echoes answering remote we hide in thickets from the feathered throng and strain in rivalship each throbbing throat singing in shrill responses all day long whilst the glad truant listens to our song thirty two wherefore great king of years as thou dost love the reigning music from a morning cloud when vanished larks are carolling above to wake apollo with their pipings loud if ever thou hast heard in leafy shroud the sweet and plaintive sappho of the dell show thy sweet mercy on this little crowd and we will muffle up the sheepfold bell whene'er thou listenest to philomel thirty three then saturn thus sweet is the merry lark that carols in man's ear so clear and strong and youth must love to listen in the dark that tuneful elegy of tereus's wrong but i have heard that ancient strain too long for sweet is sweet but when a little strange and i grow weary for some newer song for wherefore had i wings unless to range through all things mutable from change to change Thirty-four. But wouldst thou hear the melodies of time? Listen when sleep and drowsy darkness roll over hushed cities, and the midnight chime sounds from their hundred clocks, and deep bells toll like a last knell over the dead world's soul, saying, "Time shall be final of all things whose late last voice must elegize the whole. Oh then I clap aloft my brave, broad wings and make the wide air tremble while it rings. 35. Then next a fair eve fay made meek address, saying, We be the handmaids of the spring, In sign whereof May, the quaint broideress, Hath wrought her samplers on our gauzy wing. We tend upon buds birth and blossoming, And count the leafy tributes that they owe, As so much to the earth, so much to fling in showers to the brook, So much to go in whirlwinds to the clouds that made them grow. 36. The pastoral cowslips are our little pets, And daisy stars, whose firmament is green, Pansies, and those veiled nuns, Meek violets, sighing to that warm world from which they screen, And golden daffodils plucked for May's queen, And lonely harebells quaking on the heath, And hyacinth, long since a fair youth seen, Whose tuneful voice turned fragrance in his breath, Kissed by sad zephyr, guilty of his death. Thirty seven the widowed primrose weeping to the moon and saffron crocus in whose chalice bright a cool libation hoarded for the noon is kept and she that purifies the light the virgin lily faithful to her white whereon eve wept in eden for her shame and the most dainty rose aurora's sprite our every godchild by whatever name spares us our lives for we did nurse the same thirty eight then that old mower stamped his heel and struck his hurtful scythe against the harmless ground, saying, "Ye foolish imps, when am I stuck with gaudy buds, or like a wooer crowned with flowery chaplets, save when they are found withered, whenever have I plucked a rose except to scatter its vain leaves around for so all gloss of beauty I oppose and bring decay on every flower that blows thirty nine or when I am so wroth as when I view the wanton pride of summer how she decks the birthday world with blossoms ever new as if time had not lived and heaped great wrecks of years on years oh then I bravely vex and catch the gay months in their gaudy plight and slay them with the wreaths about their necks like foolish heifers in the holy rite and raise great trophies to my ancient might Forty, then saith another we are kindly things and like her offspring nestle with the dove witness these hearts embroidered on our wings to show our constant patronage of love we sit at even in sweet bowers above lovers and shake rich odours on the air to mingle with their sighs and still remove the startling owl and bid the bat forbear their privacy and haunt some other where and we are near the mother when she sits Beside her infant in its wicker bed; And we are in the fairy scene that flits Across its tender brain; Sweet dreams we shed; And whilst the tender little soul is fled Away, to sport with our young elves, the while We touch the dimpled cheek with roses red, And tickle the soft lips until they smile, So that their careful parents they beguile. Forty two o oh, then if ever thou hast breathed a vow at love's dear portal or at pale moonrise crushed the dear curl on a regardful brow that did not frown thee from thy honey prize if ever thy sweet son sat on thy thighs and wooed thee from thy careful thoughts within to watch the harmless beauty of his eyes or glad thy fingers on his smooth soft skin for love's dear sake let us thy pity win end of the plea of the midsummer fairies one this librivox recording is in the public domain